Hello, hello, and welcome back to Off The Tape Podcast, episode 39, coming your way, where we have a fun four-part mini-series coming at you, where we're not going to be talking about, you know, we're not going to be talking about trading GME, but we're going to be talking about trading with what the general managers did for their selective NHL clubs over the course of this past 2021 NHL trade deadline. With me for this episode is our co-host, the fan. How's it going? Oh, you know, I'm very excited. You know, when you told me today that we were recording and talking about GME, you, uh, I think you kind of goaded me into this whole conversation. So I've been doing homework all afternoon to figure out uh, whether to buy GME stock or not. But I guess we have to talk about other uh, GM trades uh, today. And, uh, you know, we're going to be talking about how each of the NHL teams did on the trade deadline. And like you said, we're breaking it up into... Uh, into four uh, four teams, but I guess before we get into it, as is custom, who's your number 39 jersey pick? Actually, before we even do that, I say we, well, we don't even have to Google who the GOAT number 39 is, because this is something that would be Tibet's job. Tibet isn't here with us today. Um, I don't know, at least something about COVID protocol, we don't know, but, you know, to, we don't know what Tibet's up to, but, you know, I think that if Tibet Googled number 39, he would get, you know, Probably one of the greatest goalies Dominic of all time. Dominic sick. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, that's, that's about as, that, by him. Yeah, that's about <laughs> as good as an, as an initial pronunciation you're going to get from Tibet. So, yeah, I think uh, I think the Dominator, you know, we can't go wrong with that pick. Well, so, here, so here's a uh, fun, because, of course, always got to provide the fun little tidbits with uh, all the picks there. Yeah. So, fun fun fact about Dominic Hasek, aside... Uh, you know, for him, making taking a long time, so he made his NHL debut at yeah. the age of 25. But um, he was actually uh, after his career, he actually became a high school teacher for a few classes, <laughs> and he's also been long time running as rumored for I don't know what they have it's prime minister or president, okay. but a lot of fans, a lot of people would love to see him be their president, prime minister, or their nation too. That's so funny. I mean, it's actually pretty crazy. He's, and I, th- I don't think he's the only sports star where that's happened to. I know of, like, random soccer players in, like, Brazil that people have said they should be our, you know, like, our president um, or whatever. Jake the Snake, governor of Minnesota. Yeah, I'm not the first time. I, I know that Kane is a mayor in a random town or something like that from WWE as well. So it's kind of cool to see wrestlers uh, cross-post. <laughs> yeah, kind of, uh, kind of a funny thing, but... I guess uh, to kick it off, uh, I- I'm gonna wait to wait until we get to yours. I'll go first because I know you actually have a pretty funny number 39 you're uh, you're bringing today. Mine is, um, you know, he's one of my favorite Ottawa 67s of all time. Uh, he played. Uh, I don't know if he wore number 39 with the Ottawa 67s, but he does with the San Jose Sharks. Uh, I'm talking about Logan Couture, um, the captain, the captain of the San Jose Sharks. Uh, you know, he's such a good player. He's so highly skilled, and I think he's one of those players that you know. A true hockey fan knows how highly skilled and, and how strong of a player he is. But, you know, when the average fan thinks of it, they're not going to know who Logan Couture is, which is super unfortunate because he's, you know, he's played on Team Canada quite a few times. Uh, I know he's kind of had his trials and tribulations with a couple of injuries here and there. But, you know, captain of the San Jose Sharks, drafted ninth overall in 2007 by them. So he's been around ever since. And, yeah, can't really... Uh, can't really complain. He's one of the best thirty-nine, best to ever uh, wear thirty-nine, and certainly the best one wearing number thirty-nine right now in the NHL. So, how about you, Spencer? What's your number thirty-nine? Well, so the one that I got here, the one, the only, the amazing, 
first overall draft pick of the 2000 NHL draft, where he was selected by Garth Snow, the GM of the New York Islanders, the right-handed catching goaltender who basically pulled the the baseball's virgin hockey, the Bobby Bonilla contract clause, Rick DiPietro, baby. I honestly forgot that dude exists. I forget that dude exists until somebody brings up Garth Snow and the New York Islanders. Literally every time. Yeah, it's not the greatest thing when that is what you're called for. Yes, for those that are unaware, Rick DiPietro, where, you know, a couple seasons only. So, again, first overall draft pick for a goaltender. Only two years playing in the NHL. And the GM at the time, Garth Snow, handed him a 15-year contract. $67.5 million dollars. In total earnings for the contract. And, well, DiPietro, uh, the funniest thing about him, you know, is when, when the newspaper headlines are DiPietro's injured while being injured, basically sums up his career. But not even halfway through that 15-year contract, the New York Islanders used a compliance buyout, which means you were allowed buying out one player at the time of the previous CBA agreements. Mm-hmm. And this there would be no salary implications because of it. Yeah, But because at the time of using it there were so many years left that this season would have actually been his final season of that 15 year deal so nuts considering how long, again how long ago it was for 15 years and this would have been the final but because they bought him out seven eight years ago they actually owe him 1.5 million dollars a year for 16 consecutive years that's this contract, so, so, th- so this bio contract ex- is concluded at the end of the 2028-29 season. Man. I truly wonder what will be what will happen first: his contract ending or COVID? <laughs> hey, that's a, honestly that's a really good question based on the numbers today in Canada. But but oh my god, imagine this is my this is our um, our t- well. I mean, Matthew Seal rarely shows up on this podcast. But if there was one man that had a wet dream to sit around on his ranch and just earn $1.5 million doing fuck all, it is our... it is For 16 years. For 16 years. 16 years. <laughs> well, not only that, you could, you could honestly say his whole career since he barely even played his entire career. He only played three... I mean, 318 games isn't bad. But considering that in his last five seasons, he only played more than 10 games once. <laughs> Yo, whoever, the, whoever that... Whoever that agent, agent is, yo, <laughs> find me that agent. Find me that agent right now. Oh, man. And, yeah, but, I mean, you know what? Let's get into uh, let's get into this uh, trade deadline that happened, uh, you know, earlier this or last week now. And, man, there it, it kind of – there were some big trades on the, uh, on the Sunday before the deadline day itself, and we kind of thought, oh, my God, okay, so the big names are kind of coming off the board. What's even going to happen on the next day? But then we saw some big moves happen that we sort of didn't even expect. You know, you, you always have one or two players you kind of don't expect move or a big name kind of move here and there. And certainly, um, certainly some heavyweight teams and some of the divisions making big deals, but let's st- I guess we should start in the North Division and, and then work our way down into the uh, U.S., yeah, so, you know, start things off here. As Steph said, you know, we're just going to go through all the teams here, give our opinions, our afterthoughts of what all every single team did. And like we said, this is our part one here. So be sure that you listen in to part two, part three, and part four. Listen in on your other favorite teams or your most hated teams, your other divisions, 
and see if you let us uh, agree with us with our statements and our thoughts. Yeah, but and know, also just to just interrupt you, uh, sorry, we're gonna also kind of give little mini grades of how we think each team did. And and one thing to keep in mind is you know when Spencer and I kind of evaluated how each team made their deals, we're not just eval we're just we are evaluating the trades they made, how they affect the team, and so on. But you know we're also looking down the line. We're not like we're not we're not just you know oh we quickly look at the trades. No no no. Okay, this is a plus. You know, we kind of went into depth. We saw what what kind of implications it might have salary-wise. We were looking at how it might help for the Seattle expansion draft, all these different things. You know, we're all, we, we kind of looked at all these different aspects, and, and we're really trying to give you guys a good overview. So I guess without further ado, Spencer, uh, who are we starting with in the North Division? So we'll start off here just going alphabetical, you know, nice and easy. Uh, you know, so we'll start off with the Calgary Flames, where... You know, leading up to the trade deadline and on trade deadline day overall, they we saw the Calgary Flames make a couple trades where they, you know, showed that they were more of a sellers here, where they traded away David Riddich, goaltender, to the Toronto Maple Leafs, and in return they acquired a 2022 third-round draft pick. Uh, additionally, they also finally got around to trading Sam Bennett away, yep. Brad Tree Living's first-ever draft pick. So that's actually kind of interesting. He finally is able or willing to move him away because we know it's pretty difficult for GMs willing to get around to doing that. Yeah. But they traded Sam Bennett and a sixth-round draft pick in the 2022 draft to the Florida Panthers. In return, the Flames acquired a 2022 second-rounder as well as Emil Heinemann, whom was a Florida Panthers second-round draft pick selection just in this past 2020 NHL draft. So basically, you know, Bennett and Riddich and a sixth rounder are gone. And in return, Calgary brought in two seconds and a third, essentially. Yeah, I, I have to say, uh, I, I guess I'll give I'll give the Calgary Flames like a B minus. Um, I think the immediate impact really is none. I mean, let's be real. This Calgary team is kind of sputtering along. I mean, we just saw we just saw them lo- kind of potentially lose lose all their playoff hopes uh, in a loss to Montreal uh, tonight, but. Yeah, I'll give them a B minus. You know, they've acquired uh, that second rounder is really good, and then they acquired another second round player, and even getting that third for Riddick from Toronto. I mean, well done. Um, yeah, Trey Living is kind of just and well, even to add on for the second rounder yeah. for Heineman, it's he, he's not exactly uh, Matthew Kachuk, but he is known as being a pest player over in Finland. Yeah. So you know, kind of like that playoff agitating style that you love to have. Yeah. But I think, personally, for Calgary, you're going to see the big moves come in the offseason. Yes. Um, it's just you can't move your biggest-name guys during the season. No. It's just there's not as much value there. And I think where they realize that they are in the standings, they can't go all-in or all-out. Yeah. But And I think that's honestly like the best. It's maybe a little surprising like someone like Derek Ryan wasn't moved out considering he's been on waivers a couple times. Mm-hmm. But other than him, yeah. I don't think you really expected a lot of activity going down for this team. Yeah, I give him a B-minus. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say, yeah, a B minus. It's it's not too bad with the what they brought in. Yeah, you know, yeah for yeah, a yeah. backup goalie gain a third, and like you said, you know, two second rounders for Sam Bennett. Yeah, like where again, Bennett, it, like Bennett's not a producer, yeah. but two second rounders overall, it's not too bad right there. Yeah, like you said, I think I think I would have bumped them up a little higher if they did maybe get rid of some depth and snaked some other picks. But for now, I'll give them a B minus, maybe like maybe even a, a nice B. All right, who's next? So moving on here, we'll move a little more north up in the province of Alberta to the Capitals, or to the Capital region, uh, the Edmonton Oilers, where they made only a single trade, where they acquired Dmitry Kulikov from the New Jersey Devils for a conditional 2022 fourth-round pick. 
The condition is if Edmonton wins a playoff rounds in the 2021 NHL playoffs, the fourth becomes a third. Yeah, I don't... I mean, let's be real. They're handicapped by all of those contracts. Uh, and they don't have much wiggle room. Um, does Kulikov add anything to the D? He's honestly just a death guy, like a yeah. five to seven, five to eight guy, even. Yeah, you know he, yeah. he's a he's a rental. He's only a one point one five million dollar cap hit for them. Uh, on and honestly, when when you heard what Kenny Holland was saying, was how yeah. they weren't going to go all out. They weren't going to yeah. be massive contenders or massive buyers because you know, like they don't have a second, they don't have a third this year, they have no fifth this year. You know, they just got rid of a fourth. If they win their first round, becomes a third. So yeah. it, it's definitely where they're trying to pool all their picks and keep them so they can stock up a little bit more. Yeah. But I think it just kind of sucks where finally Edmonton is having a little bit of success and this is what you're faced with. So, yeah. But I'll give so a personally for myself, I, I, I'd say a D plus even. D plus, yeah. I'm being nice just because they didn't change anything and they're still in a playoff position. So. I'll say that um, they've only added, so that's why I'll be nice. <laughs> well, we'll uh, flip all the way across to the other side of the nation here now, where uh, Salut, Canadien de Montréal, where we saw Montreal was fairly busy uh, leading up to the trade deadline and on the day of, where Montreal Canadiens happened to acquire Eric Stahl from the Buffalo Sabres, yeah. where they traded away a 2021 third and 2021 fifth round draft picks. They also acquired depth defenseman John Merrill for a AHLer and a 2021 fifth rounder. Yeah. And right at the end of the draft, we saw them acquire Eric Gustafson for 50% retained by the Philadelphia Flyers in exchange for just a seventh rounder in 2022. Yeah, I'm honestly, I know a lot of people are kind of like, oh, how much y'all made these moves? I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have to give them an A-. And I'm, I'm, and I'm going to say why. Okay, first off, huh, Eric Stahl is forward depth. That is a cup champion, another cup champion added to the team with insane talent and somebody that wants to be in Montreal. That's That's very important. Because uh, he had that no trade clause too, so he was he had to sign off on it. Exactly. Uh, you, uh, Merrill Gustafson, great, you know, different skill sets. They'll just add to the depth that's available for them. Uh, and then you know, Bergman didn't give up picks. Like the Biceps Club kept most of his picks for this upcoming draft. Good for him. Like you know, he didn't have to give up a lot. And the reason I'm going to give them any minus is this: a lot of people consider everything and all these trades that they made. But the one signing I'm going to give him a shout out to, and we did this already on a podcast, is Cole Caulfield is coming. And, you know, kid shows up in the AHL, smokes it, you know, absolute dynamite. The fact that he might be something that they can bring in now after the deadline and just add to the team, add to the firepower, add a little wild card, a little surprise. I, I got to give Montreal a minus for everything leading up to the deadline in the last month and a bit. So that's that's where I am. Like I, I know it might be overvaluing what they did, but honestly, it's just good depth. It's just depth wins you those championships in those games where you really need guys to step up. It is some depth guys, character guys that do it. So that's why I'm going to give them an A minus. Alrighty. Um, well, as as for my thinking, I was actually thinking of this a few days, couple days leading up to the trade deadline, where of course, like we were thinking of, you know. Obviously, Mark Bergman retain his job. Montreal has to go on a good run. Like they have to make it at least conference finals and make it a good series yeah. to likely keep his job. You know, 
and obviously you have the implications of the upcoming expansion draft and you got to yeah. be aware of you know you're you're automatically losing a player so who could you likely be losing but then it kind of hit me thinking before the trade deadline where it's like you know what though if, if Bergman knows this is his last shot I don't think you really need to give a hundred percent or any fucks here and you have to go all in okay so for for I, I do like the trades, bringing in Eric Stahl. Like you said, you know, their sixth newest member on the team who's won a Stanley Cup since last year. Because, again, last year they didn't have any. Now they brought on six. Yeah. I think it's actually only the second time in NHL history that's happened where a team went from zero cup winning players on a team to six within a season later. Wow. Um, you know, John Merrill, he's a depth guy in there. Eric Gustafson, you know, he's an offensive guy on that second power play unit. You know, he'll get four or five playing minute there, playing time there with them. Um, but honestly, I would have loved to have seen Montreal gone a far better top four D-man on the left side. Okay. And, th- and that's what I was kind of thinking. It's like, you know, Bergman, he loves his trades. You know, depth, taxes, Bergman, depth. Well, he yeah. did that in Gustafson. Yeah. Uh, sorry, in Merrill. Yeah. Uh, already there. And he did all his forward depth last offseason. But I would have loved... Like, I'm only giving him a B plus. One, you for, wanted one more piece, eh? Yeah. Oh. Just someone who would have been a far better option on that left side and their top four defense core. Yeah, it, yeah. It, the, the only issue is, is the only guy that I can really think of would have been Ekholm, right off the top of my head. Well, and, and that's what I was thinking. Like, I was kind of wondering if you, if the likes of like Goligoski on Arizona, Jarlmason on Arizona, or even Vince Dunn would have maybe been intriguing. A uh, you know pieces or prospects to go after just because. I know Jarlmason, he has a no-trade clause, and he's not really... He wasn't willing to sign off on anything. Goligoski, you know, for him being a... You know, again, I mentioned all three of these guys because they're all left-handed D-men. They've all won Stanley Cups. They're all solid on the penalty kill, which Montreal could use a little more assistance back there. Yeah. But it's it's all that veteran. It's just, you know, Jarlmason and Goligoski are up there in age. But for someone like Vince Dunn, sure, he's an RFA, but the tenacity and the leadership that he brings there and just the experience as a 24-year-old would definitely melt over and completely cool off the, the other guys there and really help them out. Yeah. Um, but, I so, yeah, so that's why I'm only going to give them a B-plus there. Yeah. All right. On to our beloveds. Yes, sir. So in the nation's capital here, your Ottawa Senators, uh, you know, basically it's uh, it was just getting rid of the fat on the team yep. so we saw the all centers make three trades where we saw them trade Braden coburn to the new york islanders for a seventh rounder they traded mike riley to the boston bruins for a third rounder and we saw them trade erica branson away to the national predators for a seventh rounder and ahler brandon fortunato yeah i mean we we expected this um you know trimming the fat as you said uh you know a uh, little piggy needed to lose some of its fat, and uh, you know, um, it's. I got. I'll just give him a B because I know that this creates space for players, and and you know, I think with Ottawa, I think we know that the youth movement that's been going on, and it's just gonna give more time to Brandstrom to work. Uh, you know, we uh, we saw JBD, uh, J- Jacob Bernard Docker, in case uh, those who don't know, uh, start start getting used to saying JBD and in, in Ottawa sense fans. Uh, you know, it's kind of great to see him uh, suit up for us. And, you know, Pinto's coming, so it's another rook coming in. It's just creating space, honestly. And I think it's great because it allows some young guys to get some more time, continue to develop. And, you know, Dorian's been playing 40 chess since trading Carlson. So I think we know that uh, he'll continue to do it again next year with uh, the pending UFAs, and the Sens will be bound for glory in the years to come. 
Yeah, uh, as for my take on it, you know, I think I definitely have to say, definitely Mike Riley getting a third rounder for home, and already hearing how Boston's loving home in their locker room and you know in their games out there. Uh, I think that's definitely good. Um, I'd honestly just give them like a C, C plus. Okay. Just because there's like we we knew going in there weren't going to be any big time trades. There wasn't going to be any like hockey moves being made. I was actually a lot, uh, kind of surprised that the likes of Good Branson and Coburn were traded away even for sevens, mm-hmm. just because last year we saw Ron Hainsey not be traded anywhere. Yeah, and uh, and so I kind of was maybe thinking that it's like, well, we saw it happen last year with Ron Hainsey and all that, and well, it wouldn't surprise me if nobody wants Coburn and nobody wants Good Branson, but I mean, or even like uh, Artem and Nisimov too, right? But hey, lo and behold, yeah. take a seventh rounder where it is. But yeah, I'm gonna leave my grade, and again, it's not. It's not on anything towards like Ottawa or Dorian. It's yeah, yeah. just that's all you have, and you knew that there's not much value to get. Yep. But you did get something. You did nothing. Well, you're looking at you know, a, like a no grade. But Mike Riley certainly is good up there. And then you got what you can for your good Branson and your Coburn. Yes, sir. All right, and uh, so we'll move on down now, down that 401, and wait, talk what? About... I thought I thought that there was only one team left on the West Coast. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, we got to talk about Sportsnet and TSN's favorite team and only team that there seems to ever be in the league since yeah. they're, they're unaware of other teams and divisions going on in the league. But, yep. you know, Kyle Dubas was certainly busy adding depth and players to his roster there for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So for some of those trades we saw here, so we saw them first acquire Riley Nash from the Lumbus Blue Jackets for a seventh rounder. We then saw them uh, in a second deal with the Columbus Blue Jackets in a three-way deal where the overall trade was we saw Toronto Maple Leafs acquire Stefan Nason and Nick Foligno. The San Jose Sharks uh, acquired just a fourth-round pick from Toronto and retaining salary with Nick Foligno. And we saw the Columbus Blue Jackets obtain a first-rounder in 2021 from Toronto and a fourth-rounder in 2022 from Toronto. Yeah. Um... Oh, sorry. And just to go on with the other trades again, uh, again, uh, copy and pasting, but Toronto acquired David Riddish from Calgary for a third. Yes. They also acquired Ben Hudden from the Anaheim Ducks for a fifth. And thoughts on those trades, Steph? Uh, honestly, I think a lot of what we talked about is the Maple Leafs. They have all these stars, but every time I look at them, I'm kind of like, is there a character in Mitch Marner? Is there a character in Austin Matthews? I, I think maybe Austin has the most. Uh, Tavares has always been just emotionless and weird and ever since he got drafted in my opinion he's been a tad overrated i mean i I don't doubt how freaking skilled john Tavares is but for some reason it's just you know never been successful in the nhl but uh, honestly i think that what and this is one guy we talked about before the trade i'm like man i'm gonna be mad if toronto gets him because he's such a great guy to put on your second or third line and he can do everything and just the leadership he brings uh, yeah, Nick Foligno, like, great trade. Uh, I mean, Kyle Dupas did definitely give up quite a premium for it. So I'm going to give them an A- minus for it because I think that, I think at first, I think that was a lot, personally. But we'll see if it, if it pays off. Uh, oh, it was definitely uh, over, yeah. over. Uh, it's a lot. But, yeah. but. Uh, I can't say that it wasn't a bad trade. I have to say that that was the player that a lot of teams wanted. I mean, Washington was looking for that depth. And, you know, we'll get into a trade that Washington made, which I think made up for missing out on Nick Foligno. But, you know, it's uh, I'll give him an A-. You? 
Well, definitely from all their trades, you know. He basically went out like Mark Berg and Van Heeren, you know, acquiring death guys. Like, again, Riley Nash, he's out for the rest of the regular season, but he'll be back in time some point during the first round. But, again, he's nothing more than a fourth liner. David Riddich was just brought in because they're still uncertain how long Anderson's injury is, and they don't want Michael Hutchinson being their backup in case anything happens to, you know, injury-prone Jeff Campbell. And Brockville native Ben Hutton, you know, he was just brought in just as a depth guy as well, someone to fit into that five to seven spot. Yeah. Um, obviously, again, the big trade, and even Stefan Nason, again, another guy, really more so AHL, but if they need a guy to play eight to 12 minutes and throw at least two hits in a game, well, it's Stefan Nason for them. Otherwise, yeah. yeah, he'll be playing on the Marlies. But yeah, definitely acquiring Nick Felino there. It's, it's what you're saying, you know, the heart, the leadership, the poise that he brings. He's not so much a big offensive weapon like he has showcased a couple times in his career, but he's definitely someone where he he really wants to win and he yeah. plays with a good chip on his shoulders out there. Yeah, he'll definitely likely fit in nicely on the second line with Tavares and Nylander, adding a, a little more grit to that skillful line. Which is, again, in my books personally, I've always admired seeing like a sniper playmaker and four checks that chart hating yeah, yeah. two-way guy so yeah I, I definitely say it's great trade it's honestly it's it's well yeah it's good death moves really good move on felino yes they traded a little bit too much in value but i think uh, i remember thomas mentioning this before but how it, it is honestly a weak rental class and the expansion draft, and because it's a cap flat, definitely lead to probably being Felino a little more valued than yeah. maybe in other years when there's bigger names that are available to be had. Yes, sir. And unfortunately, this is what you have to give up. Again, great job at uh, Kikalainen. We'll get to him later on in the next one of the next uh, preview or episodes um, on his moves. But certainly great moves all there. I I don't I give it an A minus as well. Yeah. I I would actually push it up to. An A plus had he gone a better defenseman still though. Yes, if he if he like acquired a, a a solid like four, like a number four guy to add there, maybe even a three. Yeah, like that would have sent him over the top to an A plus for sure. Yeah, no, like you know they they love their top six in Muzzin, Riley, Brody, Hall, Bogosian, and Dermott. But it's I you know for any hockey fan, if you want to be cheering for Toronto, you would have rather seen another solid top four D-man yes. involved and thrown in there because oh, yeah. one of those top four guys gets injured and you're left with Bogosian, Hutton, or Dermott filling in playoff hockey into a top four role. So, yeah. you know, like, obviously, like we saw last year, right, when Jake Muzzin went down in the second game and having to go the rest of the series against the uh, Lummis Blue Jackets and try and pull away from that. But, yeah. You know, is what it is and everything. But overall, yeah, good trade. It's just Toronto knows how to lose in the most interesting and funniest way. So wait and see, and we'll get around to those playoffs predictions later on. But, you know, we're going to jump back over across the other side of the country again. And, you know, some action here and there from the Vancouver Canucks, especially during these COVID times for them. Yeah. you know, we so they, they made three trades on trade deadline day where we saw them trade Adam Godet to the Chicago Blackhawks in return. They got Matthew Highmore. Yep. In a separate trade with Chicago a couple hours later, the Vancouver Canucks acquired Matt, defenseman Madison Bowie and a fifth rounder in 2021. And they sent Chicago just a fourth rounder in 2021. And additionally, they also acquired a sixth rounder in the 2021 draft from the Winnipeg Jets for Jordy Ben. Uh, I will give them a C for COVID. 
Chachal, funny guy, not for Canucks. <laughs> that, for that's COVID. all. Yeah, for COVID. That's all. I, that's all I have to say. Yeah, no, it's a uh, you know I think it's just because of uh, how much time off that they had. Uh, definitely a lot more focus on re-signing Tanner Pearson, which is exactly what they had done. Yeah, signing him to you know a fairly nice contract there. Signing Pearson to a I forget how, uh, how three-year extension at three point two five million dollar cap hit. Yeah, that's pretty good actually. Um, you know, overall, it's you yeah. know I, I think. Godet's a better player over Highmore, but Godet was organization was on bad terms with him. You know, uh, definitely kind of weird they were willing to give up Madison Bowie, considering Chicago kind of needed Bowie to meet the expansion draft rules for defensemen with term on their contracts. So I don't know why Chicago's willing to give him up, but you know they got a fourth rounder in return, and yep. Jordy Ben willing to move him along and acquire a sixth rounder. But other for than sure. that, quiet on their front. There's not much you can do during uh, those unfortunate hostile times and all, but do what you can. And, you know, easy to slide right in or slide right on over like a goalie going post to post. But we saw Winnipeg Jets only move at the trade deadline, acquiring Jordy Ben, giving up a six-rounder for him. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just depth, honestly. It's, it's, um, it's nothing more than that. I'll give them, I don't know. A D plus just because they really didn't do anything they stayed pat and you know I thought that if they really wanted to go at it here and and make a make a move they would have maybe made a surprise to add to the decor uh, like we talked about with Toronto it's the same thing they added a depth guy but could they have upgraded more it would have been nice to see doesn't I mean but Winnipeg's been playing so well and they're so big and strong I uh, uh, yeah I'm you know I'm not worried uh, I would be worried to play them in the playoffs more than anything. <laughs> Personally, I would have liked to have seen Winnipeg go out and get, uh, again, like another 4-5 or five D-man. Jordy Ben is, you know, more of like a 5-7. Eight. And even getting, huh. but, it, you know, for Winnipeg, it's since last summer, or sorry, last offseason, they, they had a hole on that right side in their top four. You know, even though they have, you know, Neil Pionk and Dylan DeMello there, uh, I think they certainly could have done with another guy, maybe on that right side. Yes, sir. If not, just anybody else in their top four there. I don't, I don't think Jordy Ben is the answer for that. Um, also, Winnipeg has no Stanley Cup winners on their team, and normally you'd like to see someone who has had or who who has have won the Stanley Cup and have that experience brought into the locker room. Yes, sir. So, oh, sorry, actually, that's a complete mistake. Uh, they actually have Trevor Lewis. He won the cup with LA. I'm just noticing that now. Oh, so, shit. That's scratch right. all that. That's They're fine. good. I forgot about uh, that. <laughs> but so, but yeah, right. uh, so again, I, I, you know, their forwards are pretty much set. You know, the only thing like they have a solid third line. Uh, can't do anything about it when they have Appleton, Cop, and Lowry, one of the better third lines in the league. You know, their top two lines are set there. So I would have loved to see them get a better top four D man. Um, but I think I think they get you know we'll wait and see what the playoff picture looks like, but. You know, they're, they're certainly gearing themselves up well, but yeah, I'd give them a, a D rating here as well on their moves. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I could definitely see that. Um, yeah. I I concur wholeheartedly. And, you know, that'll wrap up our part one of four episode, or, yeah, part one of four here on this Trade Deadline special review. So thank you for tuning in. Let us know your thoughts on what all the Canadian teams' moves were. And, you know, if you agree or disagree with what our logic and thoughts are and how crazy we can be. But 
Thanks again for, for listening on in. We'll catch you on the next episode for part two. Where we're going to be going a little more west and see how some of those teams did on their trades during the trade deadline.